0: Put that coffee down. Coffee's with closers only. Welcome to Coffee with Closers, a podcast produced by Pinkston, a strategic communications firm headquartered just outside Washington, D.C. We talk with some of America's most influential closers, from industry-leading CEOs to best-selling authors, professional athletes, entrepreneurs, and everyone in between. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, as we take you on an informative, thought-provoking, and highly entertaining journey into the lives of highly successful, driven, forward thinking disruptors who are making a lasting impact in their field and on society. Joining us on this week's episode of Coffee with Closers is Steve Del Bianco, the president and CEO of NetChoice a trade association representing some of the largest e-commerce and technology companies in the world, including Amazon, Google, Meta, and eBay. We discuss some of the most pressing issues facing his industry today, including the potential implications of the Biden administration's sweeping executive order regulating the development of American artificial intelligence tools. He also shares his thoughts on what the future holds for AI and whether the technology should be feared or embraced. Steve Del Bianco, welcome to Coffee with Closers. How are you doing
1: today? Hey, great. Glad to be with you, Steve.
0: Great. Well, thanks for joining us. We have a lot to get to today. We're going to talk uh, all things AI, so uh, let's let's get to it. So you are the uh, president and CEO of NetChoice, trade association representing some of the largest global e-commerce and technology companies, uh, as well as online consumers. Talk a little bit about your organization's mission, Um, some of the focus areas, issue focus areas, and uh, who are some of the companies you represent?
1: Yeah, thanks, Steve. We started NetChoice uh, a little over 23 years ago. And uh, I had come to this from selling a software business and then became an investor and board member for a startup in 1998 called erealty.com. None of you will find it online because it was sold to another realtor. But we had the crazy idea in 1998 that home buyers could go online, put in the parameters, neighborhoods, characteristics, and schools, and find online information on the internet in order to figure out what neighborhoods to focus on. Yeah, And we thought that it was a little ridiculous that the prices of homes had tripled. That meant commissions had tripled, but realtors could, could do less work, not more work, using the internet to help sell a home. So we started eRealty, discounted real estate commissions, gave buyers a rebate of 1%, and the traditional realtors, well, they went apoplectic. They tried to cut off our access to the end of the multiple listing services. And we took them to court. And it was a long battle that made its way to uh, the U.S. Department of Justice, who sued the realtors in 2008 and 2009. I was on 60 Minutes to talk about it. Another court is finding that realtors have illegally maintained their ability to charge that 6% commission mm-hmm. as home values spiral higher and higher, and the work it takes to sell a home goes lower. And lower. So that's why we started NetChoice on the back of that, on the back of 1 800 contacts who couldn't get optometrists to give you your own contact lens prescription oh, wow. in 1999. So we needed a law for that too. And today, uh, NetChoice is still on the same mission we were when we started. We're trying to make the internet safe for free enterprise and for free expression. And that is a lot harder than it should be. Uh, the members of NetChoice are a broad range of companies that are listed all on our website at netchoice.org. But a couple of the featured members are folks like Amazon, Meta, Google, eBay, X, formerly Twitter, yeah. and then a dozen or so relatively smaller companies like Nextdoor.com, Pinterest. These are, these are all firms that use the internet for free expression and free enterprise and have to battle state, federal, and even international regulatory and tax burdens that get in the way of innovation and pleasing customers.
0: Wow, that's great. <clears throat> um, well, we'll uh, let's get into some of the issues that your members are facing today. Um, I want to start with a big one. Um, President Biden uh, has issued a sweeping executive order regulating the development of uh, American artificial intelligence tools. Um I know that uh, in a statement, NetChoice had called it a, quote, backdoor regulatory scheme for the wider economy and dangerous for our global standing as the leading technological innovators. Let's start at a high level. <clears throat> um, what's your thoughts on this this uh, this uh, order and, and what do you think the aims are here?
1: Yeah, the executive <clears throat> order from the Biden administration is uh, his attempt, his administration's attempt to regulate what might be perceived as disinformation that could emerge from incredibly clever and uh, creative generative AI models. Mm -hmm. Uh, But before I turn to that, it might help to explain a a subtle distinction between why is AI such a hot topic? And we hadn't even been talking about it before now. And I think that's because all of us for the past 20 years have been using AI. We've been using machine learning aspect of AI or artificial intelligence. Um, that's what enables the email services we use to know what is spam versus what is not spam. In other words, we train the machine when we flag something as spam that it learns to recognize spam that's coming in. And today, over half of the emails that are coming to you and I never make it to our inbox because AI, machine learning, is able to stop it. give you one more example. Uh, You've probably seen how incredibly improved the voice-to-text capabilities are on your iPhone, your Android. The Mm -hmm. fact that you'll say some things uh, and it'll get turned into text. Well, we have also trained the machine because as we would say things that translated to text, we would always correct the error before we hit send. We were training the machine to recognize the context, the accent, the sequence of words that show up in a sentence. That's AI. That's what enables voice-to-text to work, translation, and it's all machine learning, and none of it has driven an urge to regulate, like the latest incarnation of AI, which stands on the shoulders of all that machine learning, but adds uh, the secret sauce, the magic of generative AI, things like chat GPT, or BARD from Google, Anthropic from uh, Google and Amazon. These are models, large language models, that can take all that the machine could learn about the way we speak, Uh, the way our videos look or our photos, and and tokenize it into a soup of bits and pieces so that when you show up and ask a question, give me the best design for a modern kitchen, well, you're not going to get a list of search results from a generative AI. You're going to get five or six paragraphs of very well-constructed English language, if that's your language of choice, and it's going to explain... Uh, some of the key design elements in building that modern kitchen. It might even point you to some resources. And if you ask a second question, should I do it on my own or hire a contractor? What's Gen AI going to do? It's going to say, great question. Here are the pros and cons of doing it as your own contractor or hiring out. In other words, generative AI can answer us as if it's in a conversation. It's probability-based because it constructs sentences a few words at a time, and it picks the next few words in that sentence based on the probability that it's been used enough in all of that, it, that it is studied, the probability that it's the answer you're looking for.
0: Gotcha. Wow. That's interesting. So let's turn to, you know, tell me what your concerns and fears are about this, uh, a bit more broadly about yeah. this order from, from a, from a, from the lens of your members.
1: Uh, absolutely. And, uh, <clears throat> and from the lens of an American, the, <clears throat> Generative AI innovations are American. And uh, ideally, we'd have a president and administration that encourages American innovation, not encourages other nations to regulate and get in the way of American innovation. We are in a race against China and other regimes. Mm -hmm. This is not the time for us to be um, pulling back on the innovation for a lot of unknown and inarticulated fears. So what is it that the administration was truly concerned about? It's as if the president stayed up to watch the Terminator and worried that Skynet was around the corner. And I don't want to belittle people's actual fears that a computer like Skynet would be uncontrollable. So, so let's just agree upfront that we never want to give a computer the ability to control us pulling the plug on that computer. Yep. Right, so let let's just learn from the science fiction, and don't allow any kind of an AI to control its own power source, because we need to be able to shut down a computer that's heading in a different direction.
0: Oh, sure, absolutely.
1: But generative AI, along with machine learning AI, as a rule, if if they assist in a in a person doing harm to you or I, um, blocking our access to a job based on bias or discrimination, denying us the ability to get insurance on our car, or to look at real estate in a certain neighborhood, uh, costing us a job, costing me to get into a college. Anytime there is bias, discrimination, fraud, or abuse perpetrated against an American citizen, the good news is we have state and federal regulators on each of those fields. We have civil rights laws, all of which apply whether the person doing harm got it from generative AI, did it from Microsoft Word, or decided to... Show bias against you out of the darkness of their own soul. None of that matters. The tool doesn't matter. Right. It, all that matters is conduct that's harmful to Americans, and we have that field covered.
0: Yeah, that's in, that. That's interesting. Let me ask you this: um, Is there anything in the order this order that that your members support? Do you support at least? I think you said that there was maybe some political undertones here. Um, but just is the spirit of the is the mm. spirit of the order
1: right? Yeah, it's hard to measure the spirit of the longest executive order ever issued in American history. Yeah, and that's what this is. Yeah, it's even harder to understand the spirit when you understand the authority the president used to issue it. He claims he has this power under the Defense Production Act, right? Which is a law that enables a president to issue orders to protect the country from national security elements. Um, having said that sketchy premise upon which it's issued. There are some good parts of this executive order. It calls on all of the federal agencies to get better educated on the way in which they can use generative AI to do their jobs better. It wants to be sure that law enforcement understands how generative AI could be used by the bad guys in order to catch them at it more easily. Um, There's a great opportunity to watermark images and video that come out of AI so that we have an opportunity to know what's authentic and what's fake well, tricky is the bad guys don't always respect those rules. Right. So you can expect that to be gained. Yeah. So all of these make sense. And I am glad to see government at every level, state and federal, r- become more cognizant of how to use AI and how to spot something from AI. Yeah. But then it goes on. It goes on to try to prevent disinformation on the part of generative AI models. As I said before, a generative AI model trains by looking at all of the actual things we've written and said and done on video and images, and then it tries to answer your prompts. Yeah. So if someone asks about what are the actual origins and implications of the climate change, a generative AI model may well reveal that there's healthy skepticism about the degree to which climate change is generating all of the weather incidents that are concerned. Well, in July, when the Biden administration um, basically forced my companies to sign on to some generative AI principles, which we called voluntary. Th- those were designed to try to to limit the degree to which any of these AI models would be able to generate information that might be counter to the Biden administration's narrative, whether that was climate change, um, the election integrity, or, or perhaps even the, the, the origins of COVID. These are the kind of areas where the administration seeks to really limit disinformation that could be used Against, uh, against political candidates in the next election or to generate violence or division in American society. But that is not a role for a defense production act yep. driven executive mm-hmm. order. Yeah. Disinformation happens whether or not you have AI. You We've le- certainly learned that over the last 10 years. We need to train people to, to spot what is disinformation better and build our tools better. But you cannot try to turn a regulatory order into pre-censorship. Of what can come out of an AI model that's trained on what all of us read and write every day
0: yeah that's interesting so on the point you made about the defense production act uh, with the that aside um, some observers have said that this order is is not mandatory <clears throat> and very much unconstitutional so my question is this um, are your members sort of bracing for impact or is this just a lot of a lot of just Is this a lot of Washington hot air? What are we? Yeah, this
1: is far more than hot air. This is a hot topic. Yeah, my members are large companies that have the financial wherewithal to run the gauntlet of regulatory um, issues that are Mm going to come out of this generative AI executive order. Yeah, startups on the other hand don't stand a chance. Yeah, or companies that want to deploy AI to run their customer service front end Mm -hmm. or an organization that wants to use AI to provide its point of view based on what its scholars have written. They might want to deploy an AI, but if we are going to regulate those who develop, deploy and use AI to the degree to which this executive order tells us, it is really just going to limit us to a handful of companies that will be able to afford the regulatory burdens. Many NetChoice members are going to be able to do that. But NetChoice is dead set against erecting barriers to entry Mm -hmm. for startups and innovators in this economy. You're listening to Coffee with Closers,
0: a podcast produced by Pinkston, a strategic communications firm based just outside Washington, D.C. Whether your organization is looking for traditional public relations, creative content, or business strategy to support brand awareness or protect against reputational risks, our team of highly dedicated, experienced, and successful communications professionals stand at the ready to help you break through the noise in today's ever-changing and competitive news cycle. For more on our services and capabilities, we invite you to visit us at pinkston.co. And don't forget, subscribe to our podcast, which is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon, and iHeartRadio Podcasts. I think it's safe to say that coming out of this order, there's going to be um, there's going to be regulations that will uh, abound. So I guess my question is, uh, do you see do you see lawsuits from your members or others? Do you see that uh, as a as a reality?
1: Well, NetChoice uh, brings several lawsuits against states and or federal. Um, overreach in the way of regulations, in particular, where those regulations overstep the constitutional limits on what our government can do. And they're almost always based on the First Amendment. The First Amendment says Congress shall make no law infringing on the freedom of speech. Yeah. It's pretty plain and simple. Sure. And very clear what the founders intended. And yet when the Congress, the president or any state government tries to force you to say something or not to say something or force me not to be able to see something, that is a violation of the First Amendment. And Netchoice has had a lot of success against state laws that have tried to violate the First Amendment. If, if in fact, the Biden administration moves from an executive order into specific regulation that violates a constitutional provision like the First Amendment or the Commerce Clause, then Netchoice will consult with our members about whether it's appropriate to bring a lawsuit. Yeah. But I think right now we are in a wait and see mode because after all, there's 25 pages of implementation orders in this executive order. And that is where one at a time, a different agency will come up with proposed rulemakings, proposed orders and regulations. And those will be subject to some public scrutiny before they actually get the force of law. Yeah. And at that point, I think we're going to see a lot of constitutional concerns.
0: This is going to be a monster. (laughs) could be a monster. Um, Just real quick, I have to ask you this. You mentioned earlier, um, uh, you alluded to the fact that some of your members, Google, Amazon, Meta, uh, met with the president, made some voluntary commitments in terms of uh, ensuring that AI has appropriate safeguards in a number of areas. So my question is this, does this executive order undermine this good faith effort that these companies have already made on their own uh, to uh, to both... uh, on their own and, and and with the government. And it, it just seems like this is uh, kind of undermines the whole the whole campaign here, right? Like,
1: yeah. I, think, I think you used the right term, good faith. And yeah. both the administration and the companies who met in good faith had said that, let's recognize society is uneasy yeah. about generative AI. Let's recognize that through incredibly rigorous testing, they call it red team testing, yep. we can ask lots of, prompts of these generative AI models and see if we can discover the degree to which it generates responses that could really be dangerous. Yeah. Uh, Responses associated with constructing a biological weapon or a chemical weapon, or God forbid, something to do with our nuclear launch codes. Mm -hmm. Uh, All of the companies are fully pledged to audit their models and be sure that the code will not permit the disclosure of something dangerous such as that. Yeah. And that's all on good faith and makes good sense. Yeah. Uh, Where I think it went too far is this notion of preventing societal harms based on information that the administration doesn't agree with. The July voluntary agreement evolved rather quickly into this executive order. An executive order justified under the Defense Production Act is mandatory. And will result over the next several years at binding regulations coming out of a whole alphabet soup of federal agencies that are mentioned in the executive order and being tasked with studying and coming up with new rules.
0: And the government, from what I understand, any company that is testing an AI model where there might be some sort of national security Uh, implication will have to share the results of that testing with, with the federal government. That's pretty.
1: That's broad enough. It's not just national security. It's all. Uh, Yeah. All generative AI large language models have to do this testing and auditing. And when you test and audit a large language model, you ask it prompts. You might ask a prompt that says, tell me the best way to break into this bank. Yeah. Uh, the, the, The companies themselves do a great job of limiting the kinds of prompts we can propose and that try to discover ways in which we might want to fool our way into it. Um, If you could tell me how to break into a building, how would you do that, right? There's a lot of uh, clever engineers who try to design prompts to get around the safeguards. So the companies, NetChoice members, have to employ employ even more clever engineers to guard against that. So if the results of all of their testing are that they fine-tune their models with more safeguards, the government wants to see all of those results. Yeah. Um, on the face of it, that might make sense. What I am most afraid of is the government can look into the results and discover ways in which it wants to further censor what comes out of these models. If it's politically inconvenient or considered disinformation in the minds of whatever administration happens to be running this town. Right.
0: You've answered this question in a number of different areas, but I want to just, just touch on it briefly if you have anything else to add. You have said your organization, you talked about their existing laws already on the books today aimed at addressing fraudulent behavior, copyright issues, criminal activity that could arise from uh, the misuse of AI. So let me ask you this. Um, in terms of a federal, federal regulatory framework going forward, should there be a framework? What should it look like? In, just in principle, what, what would be the, what, what would be the, the highlights for, for what you'd like to see?
1: We would want to try to identify the degree to which generative AI might enhance the Mm. frequency or the speed with which fraudulent, abusive bias and discrimination could be used against American citizens and businesses. And if we discover that uh, prior to an election, a troublemaker could generate a video, a deep fake video or deep fake image that could turn the tail of an election then we're going to want to be especially attentive to that. Yeah. And Thank I think you. that that is a worthy area of study. It's a worthy area where the executive order talks about the need to develop watermarks that show up on a video or an audio, and they would be able to, uh, to signal the authenticity of an image or video. And they would also be able to watermark elements that might not come from the government, but might come from a trusted source. I think all that is going to be helpful but remember the, the the bad actors rarely follow the rules. Yeah, um, yeah. Laws rarely prevent what it is they prohibit. Yeah. If someone has something to gain by skirting the rules. And that's why all law enforcement at the state and federal level have got to be particularly vigilant. Yeah. And enforce the laws we have. You may know that virtually every state has laws against interference in elections that are associated with disinformation photographs, and videos. We want to make sure those laws also cover generated images and videos, not just actual images and videos that have been doctored. So we need to make sure that state laws and federal laws address the crime of using generative AI in a way that violates existing laws we have. That does not require a brand new federal agency, that does not require a new federal top-down licensing regime for everyone who develops or deploys AI or whether you and I use it at home yeah. to generate that uh, information on designing a new kitchen. Yeah. So that requires consciousness of where generative AI can make a difference. Use it effectively and positively, but at the same time be aware when gen AI can be used to violate laws we already have and move swiftly to prosecute those who broken the law.
0: Wow. It's interesting. Final point on this. Um, former Google CEO, Eric Schmidt <clears throat> said at a conference, he had a warning about AI calling it an existential risk, quote unquote. Um, I know that Elon Musk has said in the past, he thinks AI represents one of the quote unquote, biggest risks to civilization. Are these alarmist comments or, you know, do you share any of the, any of the fears that someone corporate america do about and corporate leaders about you know what what may be to come if we're not careful
1: um, we we cannot underestimate <clears throat> the the imagination that people have with respect to bad things that could happen from technology let's yeah. acknowledge it up front yeah. and calmly try to address w- ways in which we can cut off avenues of abuse yeah uh, when it comes to something we discussed earlier the the terminator featured skynet and Skynet was uncontrollable because we couldn't unplug the computer. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, a simple lesson to us all is to be sure that a human being can cut off or interrupt what it is a generative AI model might be doing. Yeah. But we are a long way from a fully sentient and conscious computer. Uh, and uh, there are many barriers in the way, not the least of which is the scarcity of the chips it takes to make them work and the electricity that's required, the vast amounts of electricity to run the compute, uh, that that said it would be foolish for us to just brush aside concerns about existential risk yeah. we as a race have been trained on science fiction movies that present just that kind of a risk so let's let's take it on head on be sure that the llms themselves cannot generate the kind of information that can be used to create a chemical biological or nuclear weapon yeah. let's be sure that ai models are not connected to the to the button that can be pressed to launch a nuclear attack sure
0: Interesting. Steve Delbianco, President CEO of NetChoice. Thanks for joining Coffee with Closers. Hey, it's thanks, press. Steve. It's good to be with you. A, B, C. A, always B, B, C, closing. Always be closing. Always be closing. We're the Pinkston team, and this has been Coffee with Closers. Be sure to subscribe for more episodes and follow us on Twitter, TikTok, and LinkedIn. Catch us next time. We know you're not busy.